Yum. Ouch. And we will go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to We Talk Games, a weekly arcade review show where we talk about one arcade game a week. And this week, we're not going to talk about that. On the phone, we have uh, David McIntosh. How do I say that, David? David McIntosh. I knew I was. I knew that wasn't it. I wanted to get these guys on the line since I first started gushing about it. Arcade One Up. David McIntosh is from Arcade One Up. I could give you his extension number, but then I'd have to redact that. It's really great to have uh, Arcade One Up finally get on the phone with us. The first thing that I mentioned was that I could not believe the construction of the Arcade One Ups. When I got it home, it was fairly light. I could carry it in the house. It wasn't like even my half system that I built where if I fall down the steps, I murder myself. So I was able to carry it in with no problem. I know it said two people lift, but I'm a risk taker. The first one I put together in about maybe 18 minutes. From then on, it was only about 12, 13 minutes. The stand, maybe about another three minutes. Incredibly easy to put together, and I thought the construction was phenomenal. I thought that the cabinet was very high quality, just the perfect weight and the perfect strength. And I immediately wanted to know who the hell designed it. I felt like I actually did something. I felt like I was in wood shop, surprising to me. That was a huge part of our launch. So initially, we wanted to get these things out assembled. But when you think about storage space, shipping, the cost of that just significantly would have increased the price of the cabinets. So then we decided to flat pack them, and that allows the consumer to build them at their house. It brings the cost down, a lot more affordable. But what we wanted was a very straightforward, intuitive process, as you just described, something that doesn't take you know, an army to assemble or you know, an entire nation. It's something that just comes together in 20, 30 minutes, if you know what you're doing, or even if you don't, probably 30, 40 minutes. And it's very straightforward. We have assembly videos on YouTube if you aren't able to figure it out yourself or using the instructions, but it's very straightforward. It comes together very easily, and it's sturdy, as you described. Very fun build. Yeah, it does not move. And as I was telling Kyle, it seemed like a lot of time was taken just on considering where to put the dowel pins, because that makes it so that you can't screw up where you're putting your screws in, except one piece. I think one piece you could put in backwards on the stand. But that was about the only uh, boo-boo I made, and that was only one time. That didn't take long to undo. That and just the way that the instructions were laid out, it was the easiest thing I think I've ever brought home that I had to build and built. And I mean, I've built things like bed stand. And that one I had to keep looking at with like a magnifying glass and T-square and a protractor and everything else. But this just, I got to tell you that, I mentioned this too, the stand made me feel the most proud of anything that I built uh, was the riser. So how did this whole thing come about that you wanted to do these arcade machines? Essentially, we wanted to capture that authentic arcade experience that people know and love from when they grew up as a child and bring that home at an affordable price. So we looked around, we saw people that were buying and selling refurbished full-size arcade cabinets anywhere between $1,000 to $3,000, and they're running CRT screens that could blow any minute. They have old tech. The thing weighs like, I don't know, four or 500 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's not ideal for the everyday consumer who wants one of these things in their basement. 
don't get me wrong, there's a market for those. Sure. You know, cabinets, people don't mind hiring four guys to help move it into their basement, but for the everyday consumer, that's not ideal. So we wanted to take that same arcade experience, shrink it down to a more reasonable size, and update all the hardware, all the technology, while still running the original ROMs and coding from the original arcade so it still feels the same when you play it, into a modernized three-quarter scale arcade cabinet. And the biggest advantage and the biggest reason that I thought this was just the cat's meow, as the kids say, was that you had the actual interface that you would control those games with. I remember when the iCade came out, and this was a big deal when people had iPads and they were like, okay, this is a joke. The iCade is a joke. And it was a joke for several months, almost probably a year. Then the iCade actually came out and you could put your tablet in there and you could play all these games. And the big push was on uh, the Atari games. And it was funny because I went through every single Atari games and I can't remember if there was 25 or, or exactly how many Atari arcade games were in that. I don't recall because some were raster, some were vector. And the funny thing was that absolutely zero of the arcade games, zero, had a joystick controller. Zero. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of funny that you finally get your arcade and they were not the interfaces for those uh, systems. That's right. Yeah. The authentic feel is, is a huge portion. I think why we're so successful to date when you stand behind one of these machines and you're hammering on those buttons and you're doing all the combos, I don't know which cabinet uh, you got, but it, it does <laughs> which, feel authentic. Which of many. Yeah. Uh, well, the first one I bought was the Asteroids because Lunar Asteroid. Lander, Lunar Lander sold me on that. And then Major Havoc, I thought that, hey, that was a pretty deep dig. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And unfortunately, then I saw the multi-mega... One of our deluxe cabinets? Yeah, the deluxe cab. And... I was like, oh boy, because I know that I want the screen for like Centipede and Millipede, but you're getting Liberator and Gravatar and Quantum, and those are deeper digs than Major Havoc, maybe. Maybe some that most people haven't even played. And Gravatar, that's one of my favorite titles. Why? Because it's like Lunar Lander, except that you're you're doing something, you know, you're shooting at things. And you also get yeah. that asteroids feel if you like to peel out in the asteroids instead of just sit there. You got all that kick motion. So I ended up getting the deluxe cabinet anyway. From there, I wanted to get a Pac-Man because I wanted a four-way controller. And those things were gone, I guess, around Christmas. Yeah. But I saw one on a pallet that I guess someone returned and it looked pretty good. And then I went back the next day and it was gone. Fortunately, they had a Galaga there, and uh, and so I bought the Galaga. Then I got my vertical screen fix and loved that. Then I ended up getting a Street Fighter, and, and I got to go all into that. I liked the Street Fighter because it was only Street Fighter, and I was like, that's the game that made people drive for miles just to play that game. And having these, and I hate to use the word, and I, I can't remember the word, uh, curated. Uh, that's it. I don't like using the word curated anymore. But having the cabinets only have one or two games on them, that's what really gives you that arcade feel. Because you wouldn't go up to an arcade game and play MAME. You know, you'd be yeah. playing that cabinet with that artwork. That really sold me on the systems as well. Definitely. You know, it's funny you touch on that because... When there's a lot of people who are saying, you know, why don't you just build one yourself? 
throw in whatever technology you want and then add a bunch of games. But what our unique selling proposition is in this market is, A, we're the first to do a three-quarter scale license, and B, we are staying true to that authentic arcade feel by limiting the game variety. You know what I mean? Sure. By only putting a few in, selecting the best artwork or the, the hero game and basing the cabinet style off that, you're still getting that authentic feel versus on a MAME or some Raspberry Pi cabinet, you're really not getting that true arcade experience. You're running ROMs from, you know, Nintendo. And I I probably shouldn't be dropping all these brands and stuff like that, but you get what I'm getting at here. I'm actually glad that you started to go down that road because we had an episode called What You've Been Hacking Lately. And Kyle was talking about his uh, NES Classic that he got. And he didn't want to do it, but the games that were on there just weren't floating his boat. So mm-hmm. I think I said floating your boat. No, I said cat's meow. Okay, good. I don't want to double up on the current lingo. So I, you know, I don't want to sound pretentious. Like I know what all the kids are doing with their hacky sacks and their Palm Pilots. So I was like, I'm going to tell you about all about hacking the arcade one-up. And I said, you can't. <laughs> you can put a keyboard on it if you're very good at soldering and void your warranty. But uh, that's it. And he's like, what? Well, I see all the things on the... I said, yeah, they put a Raspberry Pi and you're just tearing out everything that's great about these systems. And, yeah. uh, and I said, it's all the Street Fighter II guys. And I'm so upset with them. But then I thought about it. And I was like, eh, who the hell cares? They're buying your cabinets. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Buy our cabinets, do with them what you will. Yeah. We don't endorse it by any means. I no. mean, it dilutes our brand. It, it takes away from the authentic experience, but people buy cars, soup them up all the time. That's just how life goes. Yes, avoid your warranty. Um, it doesn't really affect our sales because you're buying the cabinet anyway. So, yeah. you know, and, and in some cases, people are probably buying them just for that cause. But that's, you know, besides the question here, it does take away from that authentic experience. And there's a barcade just around the corner from my house. I don't know if you're familiar with what those are. but Yes, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially just an arcade bar. And I stood behind this cabinet for like 30 minutes trying to pick a game. And by the time I picked the game, all my friends wanted to leave and go to the next bar or whatever the case was. <laughs> and I never actually got to play it. It blew my mind because there was such a variety. There was like a thousand games. Yeah. I don't know how that exists. I Probably not legally, but regardless, it truly took me away from the authenticity of being in an arcade. And Mm. we want to stay very clear of that with our cabinets. Yeah. First of all, I should have started out like this. Is the parent company Tastemakers? That's right, yeah. Tastemakers LLC is the parent company to Arcade 1UP. How do I know Tastemakers? That sounds so familiar. Um, Well, Tastemakers, their claim to fame was actually uh, South Park plushies, if you're familiar with those. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. They got really big because... We came out with the first plush version of the South Park uh, series. Yeah, I have the devil, and I think it was like the devil versus Santa. That may be where you know them from, Tastemakers. Uh, They've been around for quite a while now. They have tons of different products. They work with um, Hatchimals, Quiqubes, you know. Oh, Quiqubes! Microposers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have about a half million of those. That's right. That's right. So we have tons of different products. Arcade One Up is just the the latest venture, and probably our hero item of the year so far. So that's fantastic. Initially, when it all started, I was I was a little worried. I was like, Are people going to really understand this? Are they going to understand these 
Atari games. And then, uh, then I wasn't worried at all after a little while. And I was finding out that there is a community for this. And I was finding out that more games were coming out. I was like, that is something that made me very, very happy because I want to see this brand succeed. It is like what we talk about. We have a show, Arcade Weekly, for the past, I don't know how many years, eight years, nine years, where we would just talk about one arcade game a week. And to me, that's what it was all about. Now, there's a couple of questions I have for you. And I just talked to Steve Gomez and I said, I bet everyone comes up to him and goes, you know, it would be great for a pinball machine. And so I'm sure a lot of people come up to you and say, you know what, arcade game would be great. Well, I, I do have a lot that I would like to see. But before I get into that, what I was wondering was, you mentioned about the cabinet art, and I absolutely love the cabinet art, especially Centipede, I think, is incredibly dynamic. I know Data East is probably loose with their licenses. This new studio is right on the street. It brings a sense of realism to the... To yeah, the yeah, I, can, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm in the ambulance right now. <laughs> I want to talk about the Data East licenses. They seem like the loosest company around right now as far as... Well, Atari too, but uh, I think Data East has a little bit more to offer as far as time spent and the production crews behind their games. Atari was always like two guys made this game. Even when the Jaguar came out, it was like one guy made each game and they had to write their own operating system for it. If you didn't know that about the Jaguar, the Jaguar was, yes. So not only in each cart did you have to make your own game, but your dev box didn't even come with an operating system. You had to build your own OS, then put your game on top of that. But we're going to see some more Data East, uh, right? I think we're getting a uh, a wallcade of a uh, Okay, uh, let me touch on some things here. So it kind of varies based on the era as to who owns the license. Mm, okay, that's what I wanted to know. So, so there, there are variations. So Data East is our Karate Champ three-quarter scale cabinet. Yeah. I actually don't want to list the games because I don't think it's set quite in stone, but Karate Champ is for sure. And I love that. And I love that you chose to make the cabinet of Karate Champ and everyone else could, because that is awesome. You know what? It's actually a ton of fun. I've played every single one of our cabinets. I'm just an avid gamer. I love gaming. Since I've, you know, I could talk, I was, I was able to play video games and I have the hardest time playing Karate Champ. I don't know if it's the timing. I don't know if it's just my coordination. I just cannot figure it out, and that's why I like it. Because all these <laughs> other games I pick up, I'm good at. It's easy. They're intuitive. Maybe not Mortal Kombat. I should I should be careful there because Mortal Kombat, I still have a hard time being the first guy. Yeah, um, you need a dictionary for Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I don't know any of the combos yet. Street Fighter took me a little while, but I've been telling you right now that Data East Tri-Champ cabinet, tons of fun, and I'm pretty bad at it. But again, one of my favorites for sure. Got to fight that bull. That's right, that's levels. right. Yes. So you, you actually touched on something interesting that I kind of wanted to dive in on as well. So our wallcade units and our countercade units. So in addition to our three-quarter scale, four-feet-tall arcade cabinets, we're also launching in 2019 two unique arcade variations as well. I don't know if you've talked about this on your, your podcast before or not. Not yet. Okay, perfect. So this fall we'll be launching uh, countercades, which are ideal for any sort of surface area, any surface space, uh, your desk, your bar, your kitchen, wherever you can really find space for it, they're ideal. Because a lot of people don't necessarily have the square footage required for the four-feet arcade cabinets sure. we have. Sure, sure. 
And we also have the uh, wall-mountable arcade, so our wallcades, which can mount into studs, hang off door frames, and they also can be played on countertops as well. The wallcade is just an amazing invention. How was that thought of? I don't know how any of this stuff is thought of, to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> But um, h- how did that come about? You know, we want to give people the entire arcade experience, right? We don't want to just give you guys arcade cabinets. We want to give you all the merch, all the accessories, and we can dive into that later. But we had a bunch of people in our community who were like, all right, we bought your entire first line. We own six cabinets now. How am I going to fit any more of these in my house? You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, sure. So we had to think of different ways to allow people or who don't necessarily have the space for the six cabinets to still get that authentic arcade experience in their home at a reasonable price. So that actually is what sparked the idea for the countercade and the wallcade, giving people different means to still get that authentic arcade experience. So countertop arcades have actually, they've been done before. Sure. But typically they're downscaled. All the buttons, they're not real buttons. The joysticks are like thumb D-pads. Like it's not the same. Mm-hmm. So even though the scale is slightly smaller, we still have the same size joysticks and the same size buttons. So when you're hammering away on Galaga, it still feels the same as if you're sitting behind one of our four feet arcade cabinets. I and see. We, we actually did the exact same thing for our wall kits as well. And the wall kit is just it just blows my mind. And now I am going to give you my first game recommendation. Okay, so you have a wall cade with a bunch of dongles that hang up. And one of the DIN pins, we'll just say it's a DIN cable. <laughs> and one of those plugs into a, an outlet that controls your fan. And then the other cable hangs out that you hook to the front of your exercise bicycle wheel, your flywheel there. And then it's uh, your prop cycle emulator. <laughs> So it could blow you uh, with the wind uh, from your fan, and uh, you get to play, play prop cycle by pedaling your exercise bike. That's I know amazing. I'm going to have to cut that out of show because I know you already have that in the works. And then, of course, what would follow would be the wallcade, where you take the cables that hang out and you hook them up to your railroad rail car pump, and then you can play rail chase by pumping your rail car that you have in your house. Yeah, that's actually a brilliant idea. That is brilliant. (laughs) And I think it's also, it's one of the more interactive options as well. Well, uh, realistically, of course, what I would like to see happen would be, of course, some type of driving cabinet, especially something that would have like Power Drift or Radmobile from Sega, if that could be scored. Sega definitely lends out a lot of their licenses, but I guess the creation of the wheel and the pedal would be the most challenging part. Well, I'm not going to confirm or deny anything, but uh, follow us on our social media channels. We'll have some huge announcements coming out later this year and early next year, and you never know what we're coming out with. Very good. Great. I know that you are making the Mortal Kombat system. That is that for realsies? That's for realsies. Okay. Uh, you know, we, we really try and not give an exact date. Sure. When it comes to retail availability, and I could explain the process, but then I'd have to throw some people under the bus and i'd rather not um the <laughs> no, reality is we we make the product and then we send it out to our retailers now however long it sits in their back end versus however long it gets to the front end that's out of our hands yes so we are aiming for uh fall launch mm. and uh we're aiming for father's day ah there you go there you go so that should be i mean this might be a 
an exclusive here. I don't know if we've ever talked about that publicly before. Wow. That might be some good clickbait for this uh, podcast here. <laughs> Our community would love to hear that. Yeah, so we're aiming for Father's Day. That's the ideal. But again, I can't emphasize this enough. That's when we would like our suppliers to put it on store shelves yeah. and once we send it off it's out of our hands from there i know exactly how that goes and i know how it goes for different stores wanting exclusive of this type of thing and that type of thing and different packaging on their candies and i'm sure that uh, the quai cubes might even have uh, some of that type of marketing stuff going on i'm assuming definitely yeah, I mean, we, we do our best. We have plans in place. And we learned this from our 2018 launch. We had intended to launch sooner than we did. Okay. But Everybody wanted to wait just, for Christmas. Exactly. Uh, I mean, whatever their intentions were, it worked in our favor. We ended up selling out at most major retailers right before the holidays after launching in Q4. So we launched on store shelves in October of 2018. Fast forward five months and we're named tech toy of the year in february at the toy award show it was insane that so is we've, we've that's come fantastic full circle that's yeah. that's so so good because it's such a great product i'd like to also see some licenses of course from like technos and jalico i don't know who owns that stuff anymore loved hudson hudson was bought out by konami but obviously they still lend out their bomber man and stuff like that. I don't like to do a lot of research before I, I get on the air, obviously, because I asked what Tastemaster was. I didn't know if it was a cake or how I saw it before. Uh, Tastemasters? Is that what I said? Tastemakers. Tastemakers. Yes, Tastemakers. It's like, um, it's synonymous for trendsetters. Ah, yes, because you make the tastes of the people what they want to trend on. Yeah, pretty no. exactly. <laughs> More or less. Yes. We also have some episodes that we call Should Be Arcade Weekly instead of Arcade Weekly. Should Be Arcade Weekly. And this is when we talk about games that were on uh, PC Engine, TurboGrafx, Hue cards like uh, Hana Takadaka, which is a, this really uh, incredible shooter. There's um, definitely a lot of games for the Genesis and the Master Systems that should have been arcade games but only ever made it to the consoles. That would be another one of my wish list. Yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, so I got to be very careful with how I, I say this and address this answer. Mm -hmm. But if a game and or its code exists and we can make it compatible with a joystick and button configuration, it's possible. That would be amazing. So, so hopefully so, one year, maybe I'll be playing not Hana Takadaka, but <laughs> maybe Road Rash. That never made it to a console. You never know. I can talk I to Trip Hawkins for you. Hey, man, put in a good word for us. I will. You know, it's funny because we lined up at various licensors to get the initial wave of cabinets going on. Mm -hmm. And after selling out at retailers, Tech Toy of the Year, we now have licensors lining up for us to make their arcade version of their games. Oh, great. So we've come a full circle is what I'm trying to say. But yeah, if you have uh, if you have some connections, feel free to work those for us, and, and we're happy to continue those conversations. Right on, man. And I just want to bring up Golden Tea. Golden Tea. bring up Golden Tea. It seems like a love-hate, but I got to tell you what, love. Yeah. Love. Yeah, you know what? That's a ton of fun. I said I liked Karate Champ the most because I have the hardest time playing it, but yes. I enjoy playing Golden Tea the most. There's nobody that would play Golden Tea and say, I don't like this game. They might be like, what? You know, initially, but there's nobody that doesn't like that. 
You know what? It's it's funny because we took our first wave of cabinets and we took all the good things from them and we learned from the the mistakes we made on them. And for the trackball on this thing, it's the original arcade quality. Like it feels and plays like the exact same one you played at a bar in a pizza parlor in the 90s. Like it's the exact same feel yes. and vibe. And the gameplay is just unparalleled. I've played um, like the modern versions where you're standing behind this mounted thing in front of like a 50 inch screen mm-hmm. like lcd it's yeah. not the same no it's no. not the same it's a completely different experience let me ask you this though this is what's most important for me david is do you smash your hand into the screen if you really try it for a long drive once you get the hang of this unit you actually don't need to to give it as much power as you'd think okay good it's kind of a overrated thing where people are giving it every ounce of strength it's like really <laughs> golfing if you crank that driver as hard as you can it actually does it, you'll slice it or whatever it's not about a full hard swing it's about a proper swing it's yeah. about technique accurate and, and that's very similar and it, it's funny you bring that up because at ces uh the consumer electronics show some guy came up to me after playing on our golden tea cabinet for a couple hours and he's like, you see this finger here? It's all crooked. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I see that finger. He's like, that's from breaking this on a long drive against a screen back in the 90s. Wow. And I couldn't believe it. That's he funny. He literally broke his finger playing Golden Tee. I always would break them on the bowling games, like Capcom bowling and stuff like that. That's why I was so glad when League Bowling for the Neo Geo came out, because that is still the greatest bowling game of all time ever. So, uh, So there's that. Well, thank you, David McIntosh. I really appreciate you taking the time to get on here with us. Um, my dream came true about talking to somebody from Arcade One Up, gushing to them directly. For more information, please visit www.arcadeoneup.com. You'll be able to find our 2018 and our 2019 lineups there and uh, retailer availability. Any sort of questions you have about our company, they'll be there. Beautiful site, by the way. There's nothing left to the imagination. There's no fluff there. It's really what you see is what you get. Thank you. Really and appreciate that, actually. Are you talking about our new site? Have you seen our new yes, site? Yes, yes. Okay, good. We just relaunched, so I'm glad you're referring to the new site. Yes. I hope my boss hears that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, if anybody needs any smoke blown up anywhere, I'm huffing and a puffing. I'm ready to go. So uh, thank you so very much for joining us, and all the best to you, and I hope we can get you on here in the future when more of the titles hit the stores. Definitely. Thank you so much for your time. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.